0: Hello and welcome to episode 192 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the users. This week we're going to be talking about Tron Legacy on your BioDigital Jazz podcast. in a real bio-digital jazz.
1: After watching this film, I just want to append everything with man. Right? Hey, man, let's go watch that movie, man.
0: Right? I was thinking this is like the Big Lebowski in Tron. Like, it's the yeah. same character.
1: They're remember. not even subtle, are they?
0: Yeah, I don't remember no. him being like that in the first one. Did I miss not, it? Or? Yeah,
1: not quite, but I think this is a... You know, obviously he's been trapped here for ages, and this is the character he devolves to, and, you know, it, it is arguably one of his most famous characters, or his two most famous characters, basically, Lebowski and Flynn. Yeah, fair enough. So. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, man. Yeah. It it feels like it's, that was his character tick in the first ones. They do it a lot here to show us that, yeah. hey, it's the same character, man. Because he <laughs> says man a lot, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, before we get into this conversation proper, I believe we have an announcement that we've previously made, but we're continuing to make it.
1: Yes, we wanted to make sure everyone knew what is coming up. So there is there is an episode on the feed, if you've missed it, um, it's a fairly short, us talking about what's coming, but we are running a, a pop culture-deprived into the ground. We are finishing it, then we're going to take it out back with a shotgun. No, um, no,
0: no, 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 no. We're <laughs> retiring pop culturally deprived.
1: Going on long term hiatus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, that's better. Um but we are not stopping watching movies and talking about them together. So please don't be afraid that you won't have us in your earballs anymore. But there will be more information about that coming later. Earballs? Yes. Really?
1: Yes. Earballs. Okay. Good. So, we are working towards our episode 200. So, we've got a lot of good movies on the list still coming up in coming weeks. So, we're looking forward to them. Episode 200, we want to hear from you. We we did this for episode 100 and it was great fun. And we want it even more so for episode 200. We want to know... What movies you liked us talking about, what were interesting to hear us talk about, what you watched because of the way we talked about it, what changed your thoughts on it, what you didn't like what we said. Come and argue with me. Bring it on. I want to know (laughs) where, you know, I am repeatedly, as we all know, told that I'm wrong about these things. Come and tell me. Come and try and convince me that the Twilight series is a work of great genius fiction. Um, (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I'm getting a look. (laughs)
0: This is also your opportunity to uh, tell Matthew that The Rock was really not a terrible movie and Jingle Jangle was a wonderful Christmas movie. And now I'm getting a look.
1: (laughs) You see, I've been thinking about the Christmas conversation because it's Christmas here in, in podcast recording land. And the other thing that we didn't get into is, of course, that if you can take the movie and set it at any other time of year and it doesn't change the movie, it's not a Christmas movie. And Jingle Jangle has nothing about Christmas to it.
0: Okay, but we also had this conversation before about how we can do that with the Christmas carol. Yes. So therefore, the Christmas carol is not a Christmas movie. Uh,
1: can you? Oh, I don't think you can do it with the Christmas carol, because part of the point is him not wanting to give, and it's a season of giving and giving time <laughs> off to Bob Cratchit. And...
0: Okay, but that's but not this episode.
1: <laughs> clearly, you can do that with Die Hard. Frankly, here is my hill. I shall die hard on it. Um <laughs> So, coming up to episode 200, please let us know all your thoughts. Let us know your Christmas movie d- discussions that you have in your household. Email us, eloquentgushing.com, Tweet us, Instagram us, Facebook us, DM us, phone us, however you need to. We, you can look us up anywhere, basically, as mm-hmm. Eloquent Gushing.
0: Yes. Do that thing.
1: Good. Tron Legacy.
0: Tron Legacy.
1: About 40 episodes ago, we covered Tron. Mm-hmm. The first film, so almost a year now. In fact, when this comes out, it will be just just under a year. Um, and we had—I assume you've not gone back and listened to the podcast where we talked about it.
0: I was going to, but who has time for things like that?
1: Who has time? <laughs> I had time to bake two cakes today, so I listened to a podcast whilst doing so, and it was informative. We okay. talked about how obviously that film was beautiful, looked amazing. You could clearly, clearly see for the time it was stand out and did some really interesting mm-hmm. things but the plot was a bit mundane but what would have been good is if they did that in a modern way but with sort of even more modern sensibilities I think we we liked that the computer aspects of it still worked the idea of computers running a program that gave you an output, it wasn't the way you think about apps and programs now, it was you crunch numbers into a system and eventually it turns around and says oh 15 Right. Something along those, you yeah, know, the classic version of, a, of what a computer does. It's, it's missed, human intellect to the power of 10.
0: You missed a prime opportunity to use the number 42 there.
1: I did. I, it did not come to me. And then as I was <laughs> talking, I was like, oh, this is exactly what the, the computer at the end of the universe does. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the thing we said in that episode was that it would be really good if there was a sequel that did some of the same sorts of stuff. And again, it was beautiful and interesting and great to look at. But the idea of computers in a modern way and what that means. You know, the difference now where we talk about apps and browsers and the software that we use that is so fundamentally different than it was in 82, and that would be really fascinating with some of the same mindset about the dangers of computers.
0: Right. Mm. We didn't get that in this movie.
1: Quite a missed opportunity.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I really felt like this was... The same movie all over again.
1: Mm hmm. Agreed. I
0: mean, really. Um, it's just now we have Clue as the talking head who's in charge of everything mm-hmm. because he's doing the exact same things, you know, bringing in rogue programs and making them fight in the Disc Wars. Like, it's exactly the same. Mm hmm. The way they spoke about programs was the same. There was no, like, at one point they defined Wi-Fi because Kevin Flynn obviously doesn't know what Wi-Fi is. He's been in the program since yeah. nineteen eighty-nine, but
1: but at the same it, time, he came up with that idea,
0: he, right? Exactly. Man, <laughs> so I was I was a little bit disappointed in this movie. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it in much the same way that I enjoyed Tron because mm-hmm. it is an interesting story. But it's less interesting when they're just doing it again. Mm. Mm. You know, and... CGI young Jeff Bridges was not good.
1: It's... I mean, it's one of the first times it was done as a person, and particularly to a person that we knew.
0: Right. So I was thinking about it because... A couple years ago, I made you watch the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol, right? Where the whole thing was CGI.
1: (laughs) Yes, you did. And every year I forget that. Oh, yeah, I watched that, didn't I? (laughs)
0: You did. You did. You
1: forgot. Yeah.
0: Um, And it's the same kind of CGI that was in that movie and that they used for Jeff Bridges' face. And in A Christmas Carol, I always say, it's so good. It's so good. It looks Mm -hmm. really good. The difference between the two, I think, is that Every character in Christmas Carol was that. And they had that look about them. And so it looked like realistic computer
1: stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: And my brain can assimilate that and understand how wonderful it is. Doing that with one character in the middle of this world where you're surrounded by real people, mm-hmm. it did not work.
1: It, it's still, Oh, this is 10 years ago, it's missing just some of the finer nuances of human expression yes. as I'm talking to you now you had a quick look to the side to I think check the time check the recording was okay something like that you raised an eyebrow as I said something <laughs> you give me a little smile now it does those things it does the big things of expressions mm-hmm. of surprise and expressions of anger and British frowning and American frowning and different sorts of frowning and so on the slight twitches of the lip and the looks of the eyes and so Mm -hmm. it's just that really small expression that allows us to go to the uncanny valley and we'd look at it and we're like oh yeah no that's not real Mm -hmm. as well as uh, uh, in this still i think there's just a slight bit of the sort of final fantasy shininess Mm the cg that's a little bit like oh they're not quite right and and you're exactly right because it's in the middle of lots of people it stands Mm -hmm. out and, and, and as digital de-aging has gone on, I mean, we, we have just had it in a major TV show um, finale that has a moment of digital de-aging that is a bit weird and a bit mixed in how it comes across. And we've had it in major motion pictures, mm-hmm. which was a bit mixed in how it came across, again, because of the these same issues. When they use it on Clue, I really like it. Okay. Because although, yes, he's the only person doing this, he's not real. And they do this. They do this in Doctor Strange. There is a moment where the Ancient One and Doctor Strange are out of their bodies, and anytime they're out of their bodies, it's this sort of CG version of them. Mm-hmm. And it works because it's an out-of-body experience. They're not supposed to look 100 percent real. And having it for the artificial version of Jeff Bridges,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm fine with. I'm like, I'm a, you know, okay, great. They're sort of helping us distinguish which one is which. Although obviously there's an age difference and so on. It, it helps inform our watching of it. But the moments where we're supposed to be watching him as actual young Kevin fee mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, not quite good enough.
0: Yeah. It, it was when they first showed him, mm-hmm. right? Because the, the first thing that we got with, with him was when he was talking to young Sam and telling him the story of the grid. Hmm. And mostly we got his back. But as he was walking out, we got his full face. But mm-hmm. he wasn't really talking or doing anything. We were just watching him walk away. And it was like, oh, they made Jeff Bridges younger. Cool. Yeah. You know, but then they made him talk a lot in some of the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And that's when it got a little weird. Now, watching Clue talk a lot, I get what you're saying, because mm-hmm. he is supposed to be artificial. So that does make a little bit more sense. Um and it was actually, the more Clue talked, the more I was like, this really isn't that great.
1: Yeah, yeah. You
0: know? Um, because, like, his tongue was weird. It,
1: yeah, <laughs> it was it, there's weird. a stiffness to it. It's not yeah. quite... And again, it's it's the really small little curls of the lip as you talk. Mm-hmm. A little Just, they're not quite at that point yet. And I, I still don't think they are. You know, when we're talking things like Rogue One? Was it Rogue One? Yeah. And some of the Marvel stuff where they've done digital. Because it's all Disney, obviously. This is a Disney Mm -hmm. film. Those are Disney films. Yeah. It's getting better. And eventually it will get to a really good point.
0: I wonder if we're being too hard on it, though. Because this is... God, this movie is a decade old. It doesn't feel like it came out that long ago. No. It did.
1: Uh, Actually, the 21st, so Monday, was exactly 10 years since I saw this film at the cinema. Because okay. it came up on my previous on Matthew on Facebook that's mm-hmm. like I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed it had it come out before 2004
0: mm, okay had
1: it had it been pre the matrix sequels mm-hmm. this would be one of the great films of its type post the matrix sequels which also do digital action and things and I don't think they're not as good but this doesn't feel like we're seven years beyond where we were with the matrix yeah sequels yeah so there's that (laughs) and yes that's a very very big thing to raise the rest of how it looks and this is what it sells me on this is an astonishingly beautiful film
0: it absolutely is like it took the things that we liked about the original tron and Mm -hmm. modernized them Mm -hmm. for the modern like the lights were beautiful the the motorcycle racing was gorgeous yeah. Like, the motorcycles themselves were gorgeous. Um, I, yeah, I'm I'm here for that, absolutely. Mm. And and I think that goes a long way towards increasing my enjoyment of the film. hmm It was just that I enjoyed the experience of watching it. Yeah. All of the things that Kevin Flynn was able to, like, manifest in his yeah. world mm-hmm. that were real but were not quite real. Mm-hmm. But still... I don't know. I just enjoyed it. There, it was a little less Star Warsy too, mm, mm. which I think helped a lot. I almost was like, "Oh, they're doing the X wing thing again," but then the, you know, the or Tie Fighter, whichever one it is. But then mm-hmm. the wings went all the way down, and I was like, "Oh no, it's just a plane."
1: Yeah, so that's better. <laughs> and, and I think over and above the special effects, you're absolutely right. They take all the stuff that's cool, that's really good about Tron, and they make it. You know, those ships that were all, you know, blocky CG flying around, they feel substantial and okay. heavy and they, yes. you know, are really good effects. The cinematography and some of the shots of this film are incredibly good. It is, you know, the stuff that we will come to see after this in the MCU. It's really reminiscent of Thor Ragnarok and some mm. of the Guardian stuff. How Every so often you get these shots of, like, panoramas mm-hmm. or things happening and, and people floating in space or driving towards each other. It's like... Someone's really thought about this and put together something cool. Bits of them fighting upside down. You get the close-up of them looking at each other and so on. They're, they're worthy of becoming iconic.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: it's so good. Except the film's not strong enough to make them iconic. Right. It's a real shame.
0: Yeah, the script is... Honestly, it, it feels a little bit like they just took the original movie and tweaked a few things
1: mm-hmm.
0: for the story. Mm-hmm. I wanted so much more out of it. And I was a little disappointed. Like, even how it starts, like, Sam just accidentally ends up in the grid, right? And mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened in the first one. They accidentally ended up in, inside yeah. the program. And it wasn't, like, I wanted him to figure out what it was and figure out that's where his dad was and intentionally go in and find him. Mm. Like, that would have been a much stronger story.
1: Mm-hmm. It's really strange how they didn't take the idea of computers and update it. It's almost like at the, from the point of Tron onwards, the world of Tron, and this is something, Oh, okay, the grid, as we now call it, mm-hmm. and it was something we bemoaned on our, on our Tron episode, the fact they don't name this world. Mm-hmm. So we now have a name for it, the grid. The grid has evolved from there, but it doesn't match the evolution of humans' computer world. Mm-hmm. So although in Tron the analogy and the metaphor was, What if machines were? What if computer programs were people or had emotions? This has then gone, and what if that world continued for thirty years, rather than being what if you went into the computer world now? What does it look Mm -hmm. like? Which that
0: would have been much more interesting, but mm. they would have had to do a lot of exposition to get us to a place where we believed that Kevin Flynn was stuck. For 30 years.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. In a world
0: that had evolved like that. So, Mm. like, to take the easy way out in the story, I understand why they did that. Mm -hmm. But I, like you, I wish that we had gotten the modern world. Because that's what they did in 1982, right? Absolutely. Like, they modernized their idea of what Mm -hmm. the computer world is. And this was just a rehashing of that.
1: Yes. And... I think this is why I wish this had come out before the Matrix sequels, because the Matrix sequels do interesting... And we talked about how Tron, Tron begets
0: mm-hmm. hackers
1: and the lawnmower man and eventually the Matrix, in some ways. Mm-hmm. The Matrix sequels do interesting things about computer programs and what their job is to do and machines and how they mm-hmm. exist in the Matrix. And you know, it does some of this work. And this film just comes up with the idea of the ISOs, but doesn't tell us what they are. Yeah. And... It's like, okay, they're super programs? What does that even mean? Like, they could have gone down a route of and then suddenly we got browsers and browsers are able to link any other machine mm-hmm. system together and and then you suddenly get another browser that's even better and so you know, do something clever.
0: But we did get an ISO who was able to manifest into a real person at the end.
1: Yes. For Which is reasons.
0: weird. Yes.
1: At least there wasn't a kiss.
0: I was going to say that.
1: Right? Okay.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing that I hated the most about the first one. Absolutely. They put that yeah. stupid kiss in there and they didn't do that here.
1: Yeah. It's
0: fantastic. That was fantastic. I love that they didn't do it.
1: And, and it almost stands out here that there should have been a kiss. Like There is, there is much more chemistry between them and there is an actual story between them. Mm-hmm. The, the problem with the kiss in the first one is she has nothing to do with, I mean, you know. The, the other problems with the character aside, she has nothing to do with Flynn. There's no reason for that kiss other than tell me about this human thing called kissing, <laughs> Trek <Nostalgic> BS. Um, <laughs> in here, at least they had a thing and they went through a travail together, and you could have like, I can it see could it could in worked, a generic yeah. Disney way, yeah. But or at least at
0: the end, before they drove off on the motorcycle when exactly. they're both human in the world, yeah. You know, that would have been a great place for it. Hmm. So.
1: But I I appreciate they didn't. I thought it was better without it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And she's cool. You know, all the problems we had with the female character in the first one are pretty much fixed here. She has her own agency. She does stuff. She is important to the plot. There is a Mm -hmm. reason for her being there. And she's the one who saves him and does Mm -hmm. good stuff. And, And including the great moment. You know, her introduction is cool where she comes in in the car and saves him and drives off and does the big jump and he's like oh no you'll never make it and she lands and she just looks at him and she's like made it <laughs> amazing great <laughs>
0: i'm glad you like that
1: yeah i mean i you know i like Livy world a lot but
0: mm-hmm. i forgot she was in this until she showed up on the screen
1: right <laughs> she's good so, yeah i and i enjoy her sort of uh, the, the the childlike naivete of the Isos mm-hmm. that you see in her with her wanting to know more information and ask about the world and so on, but do also he her. you know Fern? Yeah, that's What's so like? funny.
0: <laughs> it's great.
1: It's great. You know, it, it's the sort of joke we do see in a lot of things. I, I mean, having just watched Elf tonight, it's a joke. From Elf. Oh yeah. Um, but it works. It's good. She she absolutely sells it for me. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Can we talk about my favorite character?
1: Your favourite character, yes. Is it Aziraphale?
0: (laughs) Yes, yes it is. Right. (laughs) Michael Sheen, oh my god, is amazing. I was shocked. I had no idea he was in this either. But I mean, he's playing that character that Michael Sheen plays now. Like That's Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. what he does. But I liked it. I was sad when he turned out to be a bad guy. But, you know, it's what he does.
1: I have referenced this scene and I cannot remember what podcast it was on and why I did it because I talked to you about how we were going to get a scene in a film where, and I can't remember if I told you it was Michael Sheen or not, but someone did one of the greatest David Bowie impressions ever.
0: Oh, uh, okay.
1: And it's this. He is basically Jareth for most of this, and then he goes into full Ziggy, Ziggy Stardust at the end. <laughs> it's, it's incredible, and it's wonderful. And, and, you know, Michael Sheen is renowned for doing great impressions of real people. Mm-hmm. And and you know portraying them on screen and it is basically like someone said, "Hey, could you be David Bowie and just for a couple of scenes for us and then go away?"
0: <laughs> okay, I'm Did not super familiar with David Bowie in that way, so I didn't get that from it. It was rock star Zarafil.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically. What I got Did, out of it. Have we talked flight to the Concords at some point?
0: I'm sure we have. You're looking at me
1: like yeah, and I cannot remember why, but I it, it, cause I think it was in that because Jermaine Clement does mm-hmm. a great David Bowie impression in that, and I'm, and I think it might have been, but we have another film coming up where it's even better. And
0: mm, okay,
1: it's one yeah his scenes. They they absolutely said it's a little bit like in Les Mis when, Thenardier comes on and does master of the house. It's that sort Mm. of, it's been serious and dark and we've got suicide and rape and all sorts of bad things going on, crime and the underground and the miserable people. Mm -hmm. And now we've got fun and jolly singing and trying to rip off French people, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs)
1: Love it. It's, yeah, it's... I just really
0: like Michael Sheen.
1: And then, you know, there's a giant brawl going on, so he's pretending to play guitar... And then firing laser bolts at him, and Catherine turns to me and goes, this is like Destiny 2. And it was basically an emote at that point, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) I love it. So good. Yep. Good. I wish we had gotten a little more story outside of the grid in this one.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Um, I love that Sam grew up to kind of be like his dad, like to have his dad's ideals, even though the company went in a different direction because Mm -hmm. Kevin was gone. And so I love the idea of his annual prank and, you know, taking their OS and putting it out on the web. I wanted to see, because at the end, he very clearly is ready to take over the company. He tells real-world Tron, I can't remember his name. Al. Uh, Alan?
1: Alan? Alan. Bruce Brock's
0: Yeah. He tells Alan that he's ready to, to take over the company, which is great, but I want to see him actually take over the company. And I want to see him properly grieve his father mm. and tell Alan what happened. Right, like, I want that piece of the story.
1: The thing that... Yes, you're absolutely right. And I think it is set up for a sequel to do some of this stuff. Mm. Because Cillian Murphy is David Warner's son. Why is Cillian Murphy in this film for That's a scene?
0: That's that was.
1: Why have we got the Scarecrow cropping up in in the <laughs> like, middle of a Tron film for a scene really and they not familiar. doing anything more? <laughs> it's so strange.
0: Yeah, maybe they were hoping to do another sequel. Mm. Did this one not do well in the box office?
1: It wasn't hugely well received, um, partially because it is just kind of boring yeah um really okay so i get it uh, i'm having a quick look it, it hits about 50 percent, and the the general reactions were yeah looks amazing it's visually beautiful uh that's all i can say about it and and that is, i i completely get that yeah i can understand the things um it, it's hard for me to be totally objective because 10 years since I saw it, I saw it with one of my best friends when he was visiting, having moved to Seattle. He came back to the UK for Christmas. It was a pretty rubbish year all round, And this is one of the bright spots I can remember from that year. Right. Okay. So, like, yeah. you know, going with someone... Oh, I talked on the Tron episode about how I just assume everyone's seen Tron. Mm-hmm. Dom is one of the people who would have just seen Tron from an early age and grew up with that as an idea. Got it. So, Got it. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah i was one of those people who had not
1: <laughs> no most well as it most people were but i think I, anyway anyway we talked that um yeah. yes a sequel with with him taking over the company would have been really cool mm-hmm. and and especially because that could have had some of that going back and forth between the worlds again a little matrixy um and with quora quora quora, quora. doing stuff quora. yeah with a q uh doing stuff would have been cool yeah because what we've not really talked about is Sam himself. Okay. Because
0: there's something specific you want to talk about, Sam?
1: No, there's nothing specific to it. It feels like there's this period in like five, ten years in the middle of the 2000s, 2010s, where Hollywood goes through lots of possible leading men and doesn't know who is going to be the next one. Mm-hmm. Where you've got the who's this? Garrett Headland. Famous, famous Garrett you know, And I can only obviously think of famous ones, but people like Sam Worthington, who got like five, ten films and then right. disappeared off again. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like there are a lot of uh, films of this ilk that got leading actors who just had nothing about them. And I feel very much that about the lead role in this.
0: Yeah, I was surprised whenever he showed up and I was didn't recognize him.
1: Mm. It's
0: like, I expected this to be somebody who... Became somebody, or was already one of those like teen heart-throbbing dudes. Evans. Uh, mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, I, but I wasn't even thinking like that big. Although Chris okay. Evans was certainly not big, and whenever this came out,
1: well, I think this might might be a year before Captain America. To be fair, yeah. but um, you know, someone, like
0: someone the, along those lines, yeah, not it, somebody that I had never seen before.
1: Mm. But. It, in my head, it was Shire. But I think that's because this is basically what they did with Shire in the last Indiana, Indiana Jones film.
0: Oh, it's it's ex-
1: it. again, it's exactly the same role and Okay. trying to hand it. Because is this our first distant sequel that we've done? I don't think so. Okay, I I, I tried to think through it. And I can nothing stood out to me because it has become a trend. But I don't think we've covered anything yet that stands as like fifteen, twenty years later.
0: Mm. Well, I guess. Die Hard 5 because we talked about at the end they were trying to make his son we felt like they were trying to pass the reins but it wasn't his movie
1: no and it wasn't quite this you know it's a proper generation later since since the last movie that it's coming out something like that maybe the Ghostbusters reboot but even that was a reboot rather than a sequel
0: Mm -hmm.
1: anyway one of my favourite things you've mentioned Bruce Boxliner Let's talk about Tron strike Rinsler. Rinsler purrs like a cat whenever he's on screen.
0: Really? <laughs> Every time he comes on screen,
1: there's just this, like, he's evil and and going to kill you because he's so amazing. And to show that, because he's wearing a mask, so that we don't know that it's Tron yet, you get this sort of noise in the background that that's, is like a cat purr. I'm not going to try and do that because I know I would embarrass myself <laughs> trying to purr like a cat down, down the microphone. Or it'd be really weird. Everyone's like, PCD has become ASMR. Um, <laughs> We're not going down that route. Yeah. Hey, how, how's about that for a new podcast?
0: <laughs> no.
1: No, okay. <laughs> um,
0: it took me, it was at the very end, and, and I don't know if it's because I'm slow on the uptake or because the movie didn't tell me, but I did not realize that Tron and Rensler were the same. Mm-hmm. Even after Kevin Flynn was like, oh, that's Tron, Tron's alive, I still didn't realize that was Rensler.
1: Right. It, it also it, It's another aspect that feels like they're building up to a sequel. Some mm-hmm. sort of the redemption of Tron, something like that. And, and I think part of the reason you wouldn't realize is it doesn't matter who Rensler is. He's just okay. henchman. In the same way, it doesn't matter who Clue's sidekick. As, uh, apparently here is called Jarvis. Yes. It's a little on the nose. James Rain Sarag. Mm-hmm. Um... It, it doesn't matter who he is. It's just, it's another character we've got in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And even, even that, that's a character that doesn't come off. I think he's supposed to be funny in how weedy and cowardly he is. It's just annoying and trophy.
0: Yeah, the, the long live the user's death to the user's programs. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. That, it was irritating, but yeah, no, I like that because Tron didn't die. Like he sunk to the bottom of the grid ocean.
1: Mm. But he didn't, and we saw his colours change.
0: His colours changed, and he. but he didn't de like the rest of them do when they die. Mm. Um, so I was actually expecting to see him again in the mm. movie. Right? <laughs> um, but he was just gone.
1: Yeah. It, it feels like a film that's had a number of reshoots and had a number of threads they were going to do. Mm-hmm. With Dillinger's son, with Rinsler, with other things going on, that they just ended up going to the core we've lost a thing and we need to get back to our home base before everyone else does. Yeah. The the really standard kids film plot. Mhm.
0: Um,
1: and it's a shame they didn't go for something more clever, more interesting. Mhm. Hmm.
0: But it was still entertaining to watch.
1: But it, it yeah, it is entertaining as these films always are and then it's beautiful on top of that. Like yeah. that that goes a very long way. And it's got this incredibly thumping soundtrack.
0: I it's, didn't notice.
1: The, the music all the way through is just cool. Because all the stuff in the real world is sort of um, quasi-Avengers fanfare, nostalgia piano, sort of playing on some of the themes and the ideas mm. from the first film. So it's really standard. And then when you he gets into the grid... It becomes a lot more electronic. It's got more sort of EDM aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets to the club, and you actually see Daft Punk playing as DJs, and Daft Punk did the soundtrack for this. Okay. And, and once they start actively fighting, you know, once once Flynn engages in the in the combat and so on, it really does kick into another gear, and it just becomes proper sort of club hits. But okay, they're really good. They are all bangers. <laughs>
0: just didn't notice oh. <laughs> I'm sorry
1: I do quite like that you have Daft Punk there in the Tron style hat uh, helmets that they would wear anyway yeah it's cool
0: <laughs> yeah a
1: little on the nose though yeah brilliant bring it on <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I, I mean all in all I would say it's a movie worth watching it's not a bad movie at all mm-hmm. it's not a great movie it had so much potential and I wish it had realized that potential but I'm I, I mean I would watch it again
1: yeah. Yeah, it's not one I th- I think I've only seen it obviously this time at the cinema maybe one time in, in between. Okay. But I'm not, you know, over it so much because I've given it a good amount of space between them. So it's it's one that you can leave on, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. For sure. Hmm. Any any other favourite bits? Anything else that stood out to you? Anything that was cool?
0: This is gonna be a really weird thing.
1: Okay.
0: I really liked the arcade sign. It said Flynn's. Yeah. The way it was like... Because it was the corner building and so it mm-hmm. was like a pointed round and the, the letters kind of went round around the okay. building with it. I liked it a lot. Okay. It, it's random, I know. Nice. I, I enjoyed
1: it. Cool.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think we talked <laughs> about everything else that I liked.
1: Yeah. I, I Like, the plot is really average and really ordinary and not worth commenting on. But th- I do like the aspect that it's... Flynn's hubris in saying create a perfect system without understanding the abstract nature of what the perfect system might be, especially when you involve humans and other uncontrollable mm-hmm. aspects, and that actually it's the imperfection of a system that makes it worthwhile.
0: Yeah, I wish they had spent a little bit more time on that. Absolutely, they kind of yeah. Threw the moral of the movie at us a little mm-hmm. bit at the end and. Mm-hmm kind of hit us over the head like in our face i'm sorry i know you did what you were supposed to do i was wrong you know we Mm. got all of that but i wish i wish they had leaned in a little bit more to the idea that clue wasn't a villain no he was doing what he was programmed to do and Mm -hmm. he he was doing it to the best of his ability but he was just the villain of the movie
1: yeah because if he's just following his programs and doing everything the best he can you wouldn't have him giving big speeches about taking over the world.
0: <laughs> True.
1: In, in the sort of, you know, the Empire-esque way that he does. And, and that's, that's the shame of it. Exactly, You're exactly right. Like, there's a really cool idea in there that he's trying to do something that is both impossible and actually the wrong way to go about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Flynn means perfect system in a world where everyone is happy and wants to be there and good stuff happens. But that's not perfection right in some right. ways
0: mm. yeah his his idea of perfect and a computer's idea of perfect are going to be completely yeah. different yeah and i i wish that we had gotten a little bit more of that idea driving the film
1: mm-hmm. and it's especially good because the film seems to set up at the beginning that there's going to be the evil corporation trying to shut them down yes a, 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 exactly the plot of the first one with the mcp mm-hmm. but at least you know it doesn't quite go that far which again is good
0: yeah. Yeah. The corporation, you know, income didn't serve any purpose other than to show growth in Sam because in the beginning he doesn't want to mm. lead it. And at the end he does. That's it. Mm. Like, other than that, income didn't need to be there at all because it has no bearing on this story.
1: Yeah. It's because it, it oh, I'm, I'm about to say that it's interesting at the beginning, it's interesting to people like us. The, the the discussion they get into is the difference between purchasable software and open source software mm-hmm. and what they should be doing and how they should be doing and how the comparison of the internet to operating systems and right. what what did we actually char- change before we charged people for this new thing? Oh, we put a 12 on the box. Right. Ah. <laughs> well, we know that's not true. That's not how these things work. Certainly not for operating systems. But mm-hmm. the the debate certainly at that time was massive and, and it still what goes on about, open source software or purchasable software. Right. But again, it goes nowhere. That's it. We're done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. The, the film just goes. Yeah. That's an idea that exists in the same way. It mentioned the, you're right. They mentioned fi- um, Wi-Fi. Hmm. Hey, Wi-Fi exists. Oh, Wi-Fi. You can share that. Cool. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. And what does that mean in the world of, you know, could we have like open source software as this cool, you know, South Korea society and and the you know Microsofts of this world and North Korea? Like, go hard on that metaphor or something, you know.
0: Oh, yeah, that would be that'd be good. Like, but they would have to incorporate modern technology into this world of the grid, and mm. they couldn't do that.
1: I mean, they just somebody
0: could have, but yeah, the people who made this movie couldn't. <laughs>
1: Have it, like, it's it's a city that, you know, you start off with, like, small houses and small buildings that are the old programs and gradually the programs that get bigger and the mm-hmm. buildings they live in get bigger and smarter and it becomes like a massive, you know, skyscraper city or something and mm-hmm. it just becomes more advanced the further in you get compared to these old-timers. There are ways of doing it, they just don't go anywhere with it. Yeah. I'm back on my, my soapbox, aren't I? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. It's
0: okay, though. That, that's why we have a podcast. <laughs> okay all right anything else we need to talk about that we didn't talk about yet
1: probably but you know as long as we've talked about michael sheen we're good yes because <laughs> he's worth watching the film for frankly
0: he, he really is he's great he's fantastic yeah. so
1: yeah.
0: i'm glad to see that they brought um bruce Boxleitner in our back because mm-hmm. i mean he doesn't really do much anymore <laughs> You didn't even no. know who he was when we talked about him the first time, other than being the guy from Tron.
1: You didn't know who he was. I did. Yeah. Yeah. But and you I didn't. did Yeah, I did. He's the guy from Babylon 5.
0: Oh, that's right. I forgot and he did Babylon And
1: many 5. other random sci-fi things. You knew him because he was the scarecrow in something?
0: The scarecrow and Mrs. King.
1: In, in a show that no one else has watched other than like you and your mum. Apparently, yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Right. So, what is next on PCD?
1: Next we're staying in this very sophisticated high-tech, high, you know, sci-fi concept thing with One Floor of the Cooker's Nest. Indeed. Have you watched Ratchet yet? No. Okay. Are you wanting to do One Floor of the Cooker's Nest so you can watch Ratchet? Yes. I thought so.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I probably don't need to, especially since it's a prequel, but, you know, I, I wanted to yeah. see the origin of this character that's so iconic in history.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, cool.
0: That's where we are.
1: Mm. So do you know anything about it on the ranch character?
0: No. I believe it's an asylum and she's a terrible person and mistreats people in the asylum. That's all I know. And I don't even know if I know that.
1: <laughs> Good. Well, we'll find out next week. We will find out. And you did listener. We'll find out next week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you have any comments about Tron Legacy and the CGI and all of the other wonderful things that we talked about in this episode, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can send us an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. And don't forget, we would love to hear your thoughts about. The show as a whole over the last four years, you know, tell us your favorites, tell us the things that you argued with us about the most, <laughs> tell us what you wish you had heard us talk about that we didn't, so that we can incorporate all of your thoughts into our final episode. You can also find me on Twitter at Mandy K.
1: And I'm on Twitter. I'm at Matthew Vose. Pop Culture Drived is 100% funded by our listeners through Patreon anything you can give it gives access to bonus shows and exclusive shows and extra cool stuff that we do that's a lot of fun um, but it also helps to support the network helps us to develop those new shows wink wink coming soon <laughs> um if you want to find out more you can go to patreon.com slash ellopengushing
0: and we will be back next week with another episode where we are going to talk about nurse ratchet in one flew over the cuckoo's nest until then i'm mandy Kay.
1: and am i still to create the perfect system Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing.